How's it going? How's it going, Colin? I'm, I'm not going to lie. I could be a little bit better right now. So today we're going to do UFC 253 episode. But I got to preface this with I'm a little bit depressed right now. Because the Giants literally had a doubleheader against the Padres today. They won the first game. They were up 5-3 in the bottom of the seventh, which for the doubleheader, they hit a walk-off three-run home run. And we're like really need needed to sweep them in order to get into the playoffs. So now we have to win two straight games, even wow. have a shot probably. So I'm really stressed out right now. That's going to be exciting though too. Yeah, but it's just really, I don't know. The, the team they have to win two straight against, who are they playing? Huh? Well, we're still playing because we played, we're playing the Padres right now. And we're going to play two more games against the Padres. And it's, this was such, this was literally a gut punch. But yeah. Because the Giants are in eighth right now, right? At 500 or whatever. Yeah, we're 29 and 29. So we at least have to win one more game to have a shot. All right, well, but that's... winning today, we would have been 30 and 29, and that would have been massive. Do you want to do a baseball playoff preview? Once? Yeah. Yeah. I think actually we're going to have um, Caleb Beach come on and we'll like predict, we can all predict like the playoff bracket. Sick. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be good. But yeah. So that's going to be next week, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, so you, you watch the Celtic game? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm happy that the Celtics, you never know, dude. You never know. I know. Especially this year. No, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, do you think you're probably going to watch UFC 253 or not? Probably not. Okay. If if there's any crazy knockouts or anything, I'll make sure to send them to you for sure. Yeah. Whenever whenever there's like a knockout or something, you tell me about it. I always go back and look at the highlights. Yes, for sure. But man, yeah, I was definitely in a way better mood about mm, like 15 minutes ago because my dad had it on where it was back a little bit, and I would get these stupid MLB net like because I got the thing with the MLB.tv, you know, the Gatorade paid for or whatever. So I sign up for that and I get the alerts like right when it happens. So like it was really sick when we hit um, a three-run home run. But when they did and I got that announcement early, it kills me. But yeah, so this one, this will be a really fast episode. I'm just going to go through some of the guys that I think are going to be really good. So just looking at the prelims, basically, um, nothing crazy stands out to me. You get a lot of like... New Zealand fighters because Israel Adesanya is on the card. Guys from like, uh, yeah, I think uh, Shane Young is from, yeah, but yeah, you yeah they're from New Zealand. Um, you get a lot of guys because they're all trained together at the same gym. Um, but yeah, Shane Young, Jake Matthews, Brad Riddell, Brad Riddell, those are all really good guys to watch out for. And then in the prelims, William Knight. I th- he was a um he just made his like Dana White's contender series debut and he's a beast he's a 205er he's a little tank you watch out for him for sure he had a, like a big time KO um and Dana White like fell in love with him instantly but yeah and then obviously Diego Sanchez versus Jake Matthews that's going to be a fun one I'm really rooting for the nightmare he's had a pretty tough time out his last few showings he got a dub against I'm pretty sure it's Michelle Pereira because um michelle hit him with an illegal shot but uh like diego sanchez left his last kind of 
legit dub was against Mickey Gall. When I think he TK, yeah, he TKO'd him on, he was on his back and just was slanting crazy ground and pound. But yeah, and then he got kind of destroyed by Marco Chiesa. And then Michelle Pereira was basically destroying him the whole time. So I'm really excited for him to get back in the octagon. And maybe if he gets a dub, he'll retire because he's been doing it for a long, long, long time. And Jake Matthews is good. Um, so it's probably going to be a tough um, matchup. But I know for a fact Diego Sanchez does not want to be a gatekeeper or have Jake Matthews kind of make a name for himself off of Diego Sanchez. But yeah, the prelims should be pretty good. So if anybody gets a chance to watch those, I would definitely do it. And then um, as for... Yeah, Brad Riddell and Alex De Silva. That's the that's the main event for the prelims. But as for the main card, the main card, the pay per view card is pretty good. So to start it off, you've got Hakim du- Duwadu versus uh, Zubaira Tugagov, and Tugagov's an absolute tank. He missed weight, I'm pretty sure, by like four pounds. But I honestly think that's going to play into his favor, especially because he's like a big, thick guy. And I haven't seen Hakeem Duwadu fight too much, but definitely expect um, Tukagov to take this dub. He looked really impressive. His last fight had like everybody uh, kind of raving about him. It's kind of disappointing that he missed weight. You know what I mean? But I mean, the some of the like some of the circumstances some of these guys are in, it's not. I mean, like, there's no excuse for it, but it's kind of understand understandable. You know what I mean? But yeah, you should. I'll I'll definitely try to. You should look up this guy because he's he's a beast and he's definitely going to be. Um, he's going to be a contender at featherweight really soon, and then the next one, Sajara Eubanks. We just talked about her. She got a crazy dub off of Julia Avila. She just like, um, pretty much weathered the storm against Julia Avila on the feet and then took her down and basically controlled her on the ground for the remainder of the fight. Um, yeah, Sajara Eubanks, I'm going to go with Sajara on this one um, just because she had a really impressive performance and against a really tough opponent in Julia Avila. But she does have a really tough um, uh, opponent in Ketlin, uh, I don't even know, Vieira. And I haven't really seen her fight too much, but I'm going to have to go Sajar on this one. But as for, like, the um, – the co- oh, wait. And then we have Kaikara France versus Brandon Royville. Kaikara France, like, he's fought some of the best guys in the flyweight division, and Royville really is making his kind of big, big-time debut. Like, he fought on the Woodley versus Burns card, and I'm pretty sure he submitted um, Tim Elliott. But Kaikar France, his resume is crazy. He's fought like the best of the best in that division. He's fought Tyson Nam, who's like on a hot streak right now. He's knocked out his last two. He's fought and beat Brandon Moreno, who's one of the best boxers. Top, top flyweight. He's beat Mark De La Rosa, uh, Rulian Paiva, who's super good. He beat um, uh, Zagas Jumagulov, who's a beast who made his... Um, debut not too long ago but lost a a close decision even though he literally outstruck him but yeah so look out for Kai Car France he's definitely a rising contender in the flyweight division especially because the flyweight division isn't that big to start out with so that's going to be a big fight and if Royville pulls off the dub that's going to propel him into 
not quite title contention. I think he's going to have to string some more wins together, but that's definitely going to be a good start. But as for the co-main in the main event, it's going to be crazy good. Like to start it off. So like Dominic Reyes, in my opinion, beat John Jones. I've watched that fight like three or four times now. And it's like, it's really weird. Cause you like John Jones, it's one of those times. It's one of those fights where he's so good that he doesn't really do a lot. To, I don't really know how to say it. He, like he's so good he's always competitive in a fight so you're always like nitpicking and trying to like look for an excuse as to why he would lose a fight like he never did anything too crazy to lose but like he didn't get knocked down there was only one time in the fight where Dominic landed a body shot and it kind of just put um John Jones on his butt but it wasn't anything too significant at all um but yeah Dominic Reyes is an absolute stud I'm definitely looking for him to take this dub against Jan Blahovic. Jan is like a really hard hitter. He is uh, coming off a big dub. He beat Corey Anderson and Corey Anderson was on, like he was supposed to be like, I'm pretty sure he was the UFC's next plan to get a a title shot, but Jan killed that really quick. He's beat Jacare Souza. And then he absolutely sent Luke Rockhold into a different dimension (laughs) with an uppercut. And he's beat Nikita Krylov, who's a top light heavyweight. But yeah, he's beat literally the best of the best in the light heavyweight division. So definitely look out for him. But Dominic Ray is just super athletic. Like I said, he's went toe-to-toe with the best UFC fighter that has ever walked the face of the planet in John Jones. Um, I honestly think there's something to it, like that football background, dude. Like some of these athletes are beasts. You know, like John Jones, you know Chandler Jones? That's John Jones's brother, the DN for the Cardinals. Oh, no way. Yeah, they're an athletic family. Like, I really think football players and, like, their toughness and their mindset. And even if you're, like, super long and um, coordinated, I really think that translates well into the UFC because, like, the UFC, obviously, they're really good athletes. But I wouldn't say that sometimes they're the best athletes. Like, if you just look at it, like, sometimes some of these guys join it, either because of their culture, obviously. But, like, if you think about it, it's, like, Maybe they weren't good enough to do like baseball or football, so they got into martial arts. You know what I mean? Not to knock right. on like martial artists because obviously they're really good athletes and stuff. But I really think that when you get an elite athlete, kind of like Dominic Reyes, he can adapt and catch on really quickly. And then, yeah. So if I'm, I'll go through. So Sajara Eubanks, I think, is going to take the dub. Kai Car France is going to take the dub. Dominic Reyes going to take the dub. And then did I say, oh, yeah, and Tuka Gav is going to take the dub. And then the main event is probably going to be fight of the year. So uh, Israel Adesanya um, versus Paulo Costa. I know that's pretty high praise, like fight of the year. I think it's def- I think it could be for sure. Um, Paulo Costa, his last fight against Yoel Romero, I honestly thought Yoel won, but it was a slugfest. And obviously, Paulo had his moments because like the judges obviously saw enough in him for him to win the fight. And then Israel Adesanya, his last fight was against Yoel Romero. And that was a little bit of a snoozer back in March, but he knocked out Robert Whitaker for the dub in uh, for that undisputed middleweight title. And then he beat Kelvin Gastelum before that, which I think was fight of the year. And Kelvin's probably given uh, Israel his toughest fight to date. 
But Israel's super long striker, um, best striker in the best striker probably almost in the UFC, and then Paulo Costa is this big bodybuilder, strong, really good boxing, and can clean your clock and like sleep you with one punch. So it's gonna be sweet because um, Israel's gonna have somebody because I know for a fact Paulo Costa is he might be a little bit hesitant in the beginning, but once he gets comfortable. He's going to start um, firing and letting his hands go because that's just how he fights. And that's what um, Israel needs, a good dance partner like that, because we saw in the UOL fight how um, he was a little more hesitant and UOL didn't engage. And Israel obviously needs somebody to engage with him because he's a great counter striker. But I'm honestly looking for Paulo Costa with the big upset here. Wow. Yeah, do you think because uh, yeah, it's Israel's a minus one eighty, and Paulo is a plus one sixty. Okay, so that is a bit of an upset then. Yeah, it's just because Paulo doesn't have like um, the same type of resume, obviously, as um, Israel Adesanya. But I think Paulo Costa he's a hard worker. And I, the more and more they keep talking at press conferences, I'm becoming more a Paulo Costa fan for sure. Because I don't know, there's just, he obviously is pretty arrogant and cocky and stuff. But I mean, like, you kind of have to be in order to be a star nowadays because you have to like build yourself, obviously. And I really like Paulo. I think Paulo Costa really bothered me against in his Yoel Romero fight. But I really, since then, have become a fan because I was kind of a big fan of Yoel Romero because he's like 40 years old and in that fight I was just really rooting for him but he had he ended up even losing to Paulo Costa he got his title shot so yeah I really think that this this fight card definitely isn't as good as the Woodley versus Covington fight night but I think it's definitely since they added the um vacant light heavyweight title with Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz in here. I think that definitely propels this card um, into like, I don't know. It's because some of the cards are like, you have one main card, one main fight carrying it. Like sometimes they do that, like with Conor McGregor's cards and stuff like back in January with Donald Cerrone, there was literally nobody on that card. But the only reason it sold so many pay-per-views is because of Conor. But um, I think it's a little top heavy. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that, adding that light heavyweight title fight was a really good addition and it'll attract more fans for sure. And I'm also excited because I think that this will give an opportunity for Dominic Reyes and Jan Bohovic to kind of focus more on the fight and not have to necessarily worry about uh, like promoting. And I think that could play a big role um, because I don't think they could sell a lot of pay-per-views on their own, obviously. And then this fight's going to obviously get a lot of attention. So I think the UFC strategically did this in order to build both of these guys' names. Because if they end up having a baller fight, and because everybody's tuning in, obviously, to watch Israel because he's a, he's a savage. And Paulo Costa, he's, he, like, looking at his body, it attracts fans <laughs> because he's literally, like, a freaking Greek god. And he, I don't know how in the hell he makes 185, but... Yeah, this fight's going to be – these fights are all really good. And obviously, they, um, the New Zealand guys, they all train together at City Kickboxing. And those guys have 
that's one of the best gyms in the world. Like you have Israel Adesanya and then Alex Volkanovsky and then like Kai Car France and all those guys, obviously Israel and uh, Alex are the champs, but there's going to be a lot more champions to come. And even Dan Hooker um, fights out of there. And so they're all, it's just, there's, there's a lot of good things coming internationally, especially in what do they call it? Like Oceania, Oceania or whatever. Oh yeah. Kind just like, yeah. Just like with Australia and New Zealand and all those Pacific Island countries. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to, I went through it. So basically I think Paulo, Dominic, um, Kai, Car France, Sajara, and Tugab. Do you have any predictions? Do you think Israel Adesanya will probably keep his belt? Well, I kind of liked what you were saying that I think Costa's mm-hmm. got a shot at it too. I, I really think he has so. a legit shot because, um, well, because he isn't scared to engage with one of the best strikers. And when you have that and you have that much confidence, and I honestly think that if this fight goes to the ground, Paulo's going to have the edge because he's a bigger, stronger guy. And I don't know if Israel has really ever faced a guy like this. He's obviously faced big, strong opponents, but Paulo Costa on a different level. Like he is well over 200 pounds when he is not fighting. So, yeah, that's basically it for this fight. I'm really excited for it. This will probably drop, obviously, tomorrow. Oh, also, got to say happy birthday to my Grams. Love you, Grams, because she listens to every single one. I'm pretty sure she turned 80. Um, so that's happy birthday. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think we're going to obviously we're going to see um, a new title holder at light heavyweight, which is going to be really sweet because that's going to open up the division a crap ton because John Jones basically ran through everybody in the division. And honestly, I think Dominic Reyes is the rightful belt holder anyway. So if he wins, um, he's I think he's basically defending his belt this fight because I thought he won against John. Do you want to drop some performers of the week before we sign off on this episode? 100%. All right. So for my guy, I'm going to go with Tyler Hero, the rookie superstar for for the Miami Heat, who is the first player born in the 2000s to play in the conference. No, yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I know people have been talking about that a lot, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And not only playing in it, but he scored 37 points in game four. obviously led the heat to the victory that game he had a bit of an off night tonight i think he had like 12 points Mm -hmm. um, something like four of nine shooting which isn't terrible but um yeah he's just been big time probably been honestly their second best offensive player of the series Mm -hmm. behind goran dragic so it's just amazing to see from a 20 year old kid yeah what about dude jamal murray's been killing it yeah, he has. He does, his shot making is just on a different level. Dude, especially right? finishing with his left hand, like, stop it. Yeah, it's He's just so ridiculous. Yeah, like that left he hit against LeBron the other mm-hmm. night. It's just unreal. I know, for sure. And, oh, dude, you freaking killed it last week. You went 13-3, and three, and uh, you got the dub with the fins. Oh, I know. It was dude. bound to pay off eventually. No, yeah, exactly. Like... Uh, the Dolphins' pass rush was crazy good, and it was su- yeah. it surprised me big time. And Gardner was just checking it down the whole entire game. Both their losses this season so far have been super close too. Like the Dolphins are a real football team this year. 
who the Dolph- who the Dolphins play week one? Um, the Patriots. Oh yeah, and the Patriots didn't like go crazy on them, huh? Yeah, I think they won by like a touchdown. Yeah, dang, and they gave um, obviously the Bills a lot. Like the Bills, they were down at points in the game too. Right, and the Jaguars, the Dolphins just ran through them. So, dude, the Jaguars' offense was stifled the whole entire game. Gardner could not. He they they took very few shots down the field and they missed their opportunity on a few ones like that one before halftime where Gardner overthrew it. But yeah, I had Keelan Cole and um, Chenault for my flex and wide receiver for this game. Cause basically my whole team's obliterated. Like my whole entire bench is injured and, and I started Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki got a touchdown. Um, but besides that, he didn't really get too much because apparently the, I don't know. I feel like in Miami, they actually they have a few good weapons, but sometimes they don't always go to their best players. But literally yeah, Fitzmagic's been tearing it up, dude. Like he's literally fearless. Yeah, like he's a stud, and I think um, he's a really good uh, kind of role model for Tua. Yeah, that you know is true. I mean? Just getting to learn behind a guy who's like literally been in the league for. Like, and he could be, like, dude, like, he honestly, <laughs> I don't know. He's he's really athletic. Like, he was making some crazy good plays, like, yeah. on his feet, too. It was sick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was mad because, like, um, we didn't, for some reason, I think Comcast took, like, NFL Network out of, like, the main package. So, I was like, dude, we got to get this. So, we, like, subscribe to it because, like, I want to start watching Thursday Night Football because, I like, when the Niners play and stuff, I don't want to miss that for sure. But, um. Yeah, that was crazy. I definitely didn't think that the Jaguars would lay an egg like that. But Gardner's Minshew, Gardner Minshew's line definitely let him down big time. But yeah, is there anything else you really want to talk about? I was just. Well, I want to hear who your performer of the week is. Oh yeah, duh. Um, frick. Let's see here. Of last week. Hmm. You kind of already gave one with Jamal Murray, but I'm sure you have. Yeah, Jamal Murray, obviously, has been doing really well. But I think I'm going to have to... Ah, dude. I honestly... I, I, I always give Giants, so that's kind of like I can't really do that. A lot of Giants have been playing hella good. Mikey Stremski came back today for the first time um, in, a, in a week with a calf strain or calf injury and hit a freaking splash down today. It was crazy. I walked in the room. I was like, cause we were up like three to two or something. And I was like, bro. Yeah. I was like, we need a couple, we need a couple more uh, runs here. Cause my, my dad's like, do you think we're safe? And I'm like, we're never safe. Yeah. needs to hit a bomb that pitch, bro. He hits a two run shot, but yeah, it was pretty sick. I would, I would probably um, go with, let's go with Justin Herbert. Okay. I think Justin okay. Herbert, like short notice, because um, that's going to be you, you're predicting to be your player of the week, huh? Yeah, I think he's going to have another good week. Yeah, that's a pretty big task coming in against the reigning Super Bowl champions and giving him a game. But who knows? Like, if Tyrod Taylor was in that game, they might have took the dub, but you never know. I really like, I think Justin Herbert could be their guy if he just stays consistent. 
and doesn't overthrow guys. Yeah, I agree. Because he's he got looked, what? He was looking pretty dynamic too, like on his feet. No, even. that's what I'm saying. He literally he is a dual he's a dual threat, and I feel like people don't really expect that all the time. Like he literally won the Rose Bowl with his legs. Yeah, straight up. But that's yeah, true. also the Pac-12 football season they announced. Um, they're coming they're actually going to play a seven game schedule do you how do you think that that's going to like actually play out though because if if a team goes say say oregon goes like six and one or something do you think that's enough of a resume or they say they go seven and one and they win the pac-12 championship but like do you think that's enough of a resume to make a playoff appearance honestly i have no clue i have no like i don't know how that's gonna work yeah i don't know either because everybody's starting at different times and playing different number of games in their own conference it just is sort of mind boggling to me how it's all going to fit together in the end, but I guess we'll make it to the end and we'll find out then, you know, here's a question for you. Do you think that playing a short season is a disadvantage or advantage? Like for a pack 12, do you think playing Uh, a seven game season is, I think this disadvantage disadvantage, you think more experience, the better. Yeah. And because I feel like if a pack 12 team makes the playoff unless they're like a team that started out really highly touted like the ducks or like i don't know another example there isn't really another example this year but usually pac-12 teams need to go undefeated anyway to make the college football playoff or at least have one loss and like if you're going to be a one loss team i feel like 11 and one looks way more impressive than like six and one you know so that's facts I kind of feel like if you need to run the tables it anyway, it's better to run the tables when it's dude. I honestly well, think, um, say the ducks, they go what eight and no yeah. in the back 12 chat title. I honestly think that's an advantage for them. Yeah. Because if they go in, if they go in less beat up against a team, like an sec team, I think they have a chance to get by them because you see it all the time. Like, when they open up um, a season, they're always fresh for that game, you know, against like Auburn and stuff. You need to be fresh in order that's to true. play physical SEC football teams like that. Yeah, that's so a good I see. Point. I could see it go either way. I don't see a lot of other teams coming out of the Pac-12 though. Other Not at Oregon. all. No. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see quarterback play at Oregon too. Mm-hmm. I think we could see like a few different guys, but Shuck is Shuck's going to be their guy, right? Right. Probably. At least just the season out. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, that'll be cool. I don't, I'm I'm interested to see if they'll have the Beaver game like at a specific time or do do you think stuff's going to be like the schedules are going to come out soon? Do you think it's going to be like, um, do you think you're going to get teams traveling? Like, do you think just the North's going to play in the North for the most part? Well, that would be, that'd be impossible if if it was going to be seven games. Wait, yeah, no, yeah, that's true. That's true. I wonder, like, if they um, play teams twice, which seems unlikely. Yeah, they'll definitely play. If they play, I could because what if they play the Beavs twice just because of like convenience sake? Like, you know, like if UCLA plays USC twice. Yeah, and then you'd have to like find one more team to play twice, though. mm -hmm. But it'd be interesting to see. I'm sure they'll go across like the north and the south. That makes more sense. Plus, it's yeah. not like your trout. It's not like um, it's not like Eugene to Berkeley is too that crazy. Much further than yeah. like Eugene to mm-hmm. Seattle. That's true. 
because like like the Giants and stuff, they will go up to Seattle, so it'd be like the same thing. It's not yeah. too, too much because like there's obviously not a lot of cross country play right now. Yeah, I guess that's a bad example because Berkeley is in the Pac-12 North. But like, you know what I mean? Like, no matter where you're going, like it's not a crazy long distance. Mm-mm. No, for sure. As long I, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like it's harder to get a handle on college students than it is professional athletes too. Like COVID-wise, right. I feel yeah. like that's a struggle. But they'll just have to make it work, I guess. Who knows? It's just a big. I feel like it's a big logistical issue. Yeah, but we've seen other conferences be successful so far. So, mm-hmm. but like Ed Orgeron, what's his name? Orgeron. Yeah, he literally said the whole entire LSU football team has got COVID. So, like, that's not good. Like, I, I SEC, like, they honestly, they don't care. They're good. They go anyway. If they had guys test positive, I'm sure they're going to keep it under the radar. Yeah, <laughs> I could definitely see that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see, like. Because I really don't know much about it. Do is that? Do you think the NCAA is doing testing and having like a like actual doctors regulate it? Because what's stopping a team from having an asymptomatic player from not like keeping an asymptomatic positive player from not playing? I think just like you were saying, like it would just be like s- such a bad look for them that they like probably can. But trouble. who's to find out? Well, I mean, who's regulating it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the conferences are administrating testing, but if somebody tested positive and they chose to like ignore the test results and play anyway, I'm not really sure how you could figure that out. Yeah, I know. I guess it's just up to. There's that's that's something I I want to find that out actually. Yeah, I'm sure to follow up because. Like a statement like that, it's like you can't roll anything out. Like if someone's getting, like the SEC schools are crazy because like, who's, like like uh, frick I don't know if JT Daniels gets COVID, and it's like the SEC championship game, like you think they're gonna sit JT Daniels? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I doubt True. it, especially if he's asymptomatic. But who knows? I'm sure they have some integrity or something but yeah well uh this kind of i feel like this kind of wraps up a quick episode i just wanted to get this out there because i want my picks to be out there before the fight actually happens you know what i mean yeah and you're riding some momentum if i remember correctly last week went pretty well for you in the ufc department yeah went five of six but technically five of five because it was a draw yeah so hopefully we can keep that going this week for sure and then hopefully you keep killing it in freaking our football league, dude. I know. And Jared's a savant, like you said. Like what? Like twenty-four and six. Like if he wouldn't have picked the um Saints, like I said, I feel like no one saw the Saints game. I feel like you've picked the biggest upsets. Yeah, I, I had the Raiders, but that was mm-hmm. that was like a five and a half point upset there. What do you mean? Oh, like on the odds? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the Raiders are looking pretty good, but. and the Saints aren't looking that good this year so far. They've been yeah. I think things things will probably change when Michael Thomas comes back. Yeah, it's true. Good point. But yeah, all right. Well, all right. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. All right. Bye bye. We'll do an MLB one and then an NBA one when the finals happen. But who knows how long these series are going to go for? Yeah. True. All right. All right. That sounds good though.
All right. Later. Later.